Welcome, folks, to the Sebastian Vettel Retirement Club Relief Podcast. Yeah, it's that kind of a day today. We're we're all we're all that sad. Our hearts are completely full of sorrow, grief, but I'm just so confused about what to feel like this weekend. And that's the question we're going to ask, along with rating the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, talking about all the major happenings, and of course, our favorite moment of the race, which beforehand I can tell you already is the synchronized spin between Mr. Mick Schumacher and Nicholas Latifi. But that's all the stuff that's going to be a part of this episode. Before that, though, I think we must introduce the podcast. This is actually not the Sebastian Metal Relief Club podcast, if you didn't quite get it. This is the Inside Line F1 podcast. This is a Abu Dhabi GP review. And my name is Somal Arora. Joining me, as always, will be F1 Stats Guru Sundaram and Kunal Shah, the former marketing head of the Force India F1 team, who now works as an FIA-accredited Formula 1 journalist for the VIA Play Network. And first up, Kunal, the question that I asked, I, I, how, how are you feeling? Now, what are we supposed to feel? Are we supposed to feel sad that Sebastian Vettel has, has seen his career to get over? Or are we supposed to feel excited that there is some sort of a break? Are we supposed to feel excited for DTS coming? Or are we supposed to feel sad that, well, we no longer get to see Mercedes challenging Red Bull Racing for the next, what, five odd months? It's such a confusing time. Or are we just really excited to see Max Verstappen not dominate? Because he's been winning so much. Hi, guys. Thank you for that introduction. And you said Mercedes not challenged Red Bull Racing for the next five months. So you are technically implying that in the start of 2023, Mercedes is not going to challenge. It's going to be only a few weeks, a few races into 2023. Because uh, we are three months away from the first laps that will be in preseason testing or shakedown or whatever they call it but in all seriousness you know what are we supposed to feel and i can i don't know uh, i feel a void even though i know i'm winning back a lot of weekends of my life they're going to be free but the void that i feel is not so much so about the on track stuff i think we've had a very intense season in terms of all the racing that we've seen all the arguments all the trolls all the debates discussions and narratives shared but like the void i feel and i was discussing this with mithila last evening is what is daniel ricardo going to do and i don't mean in 2023 with red bull i mean in the off season what is mick schumacher going to do what is you know, what is Leclerc going to do? What is Ferrari going to do? I mean, if Ferrari come out and win the next 10 races in 2023, it's because of the work that they've done as a team after Abu Dhabi 2022, right? So we've, you know, we've built up all these characters. We've we've sort of narrated their stories, their ups and downs and all of that. And then suddenly it's like somebody's gone and pulled the plug off the TV and like, boom, there's nothing that you can do about it. There will be some rumors on social media and the likes and some updates. But my point is, you know, we've built this whole crescendo over 2022 races. And then suddenly there's nothing that we will know of till we straight away go to the first preseason, first and only preseason test in February. And you're like, yeah, Ferrari looks quick again. And then it's like a same repeat of a story. And <laughs> And Mithila had something very interesting to say. She's like, isn't this the same with a sitcom? Like Friends, you know, they release 10 episodes and then they're gone. And then they come back next year with 10 episodes. And my point to that is, you know, those are fictitious characters for which scripts are written. And and what we deal with are live uh, stories and, and real life people in the paddock in, over so many days and sessions. And this is where 
the ratings of our episode drop because I'm getting very philosophical. My point is I'm feeling a void. I don't know about you guys. It should happen in a way. It's, it's kind of like blocking off the internet. I think that's a very good analogy you made over there because every now and then we just need to switch off a little bit. I think that time has really arrived. But Sundaram, in terms of switching off, it feels so odd to see Sebastian Vettel not there uh, anymore from next year. Of course, it doesn't feel as big right now because obviously we just saw him yesterday, right? So no big deal. We, we still have him very fresh in our memory. But I want to talk about that for a second because now what will you remember Sebastian Vettel for? The four-time world champion or the better person? That's a very interesting point. And, you know, the, the, the fact is that it really hit me after the race was over and when we saw Sebastian doing the donuts on, on the main straight, that's when it actually really hit me that Sebastian Vettel is not going to be on the grid next year. And these are the exact same thoughts that I was reflecting upon. I'm really going to miss this guy who who was, you know, at, at his best during his Red Bull days and the sort of personality that he had transformed himself into during his Ferrari and Aston Martin days. And I was just literally smiling at the screen and I was really reminiscing all those memories of Vettel. And the fact is, I think we all will really miss Sebastian Vettel next year. The, the sort of, you know, farewell that he had throughout the weekend, you know, the, the dinner and, and the track run and all the farewells that they had, that he had uh, with the rest of the paddock. I've really not seen anyone else be celebrated so much, any other champion be celebrated so much. And you know, Michael Schumacher's won seven titles. And that's really, really wholesome and really nice to see that. Sebastian Vettel really got this sort of a send-off. Well, one question, Gunal. I think maybe next year we should sell off an idea to the Abu Dhabi GP organizers and make sure that we get Krispy Kreme or Dunkin' Donuts or something like that to sponsor the race. Because seriously, this is Donut City all around. Like, this race is just remembered for only for that, Sundaram. You know, I'm going to actually raise a petition to bring back Brazil as the season finale. Please. I know it's going to fall on deaf ears, but I would like to see Brazil as the season finale. You know, an action-packed race, lots of overtake, lots of battles to see. I wouldn't really want to see Abu Dhabi as a season ending race, but I don't think so that's going to happen. Yeah, it feels even more dull to end with Abu Dhabi. But seriously, Kunal, designated donut areas, what are they? Why are they? What are they for? It's just the weirdest thing I can possibly think of. I'm actually, just before we go to the designated donuts area, you know, the Sebastian Fettel dinner that the GPDA had was the first time in 2022 that all 20 drivers actually were together at a social event, apart from when they were all together after the missile strike that happened in Saudi Arabia, right? But I'm going to keep harping on that missile strike because F1 wants us to forget that there was a missile strike. Saudi Arabia wants us to forget it, but I, I'm not going to forget it. But anyway, yeah. So they were all together because the preseason test, Daniel Ricciardo was not there. And then the first race when they did the class of 2022, Sebastian Vettel was not there and Nico Hulkenberg was there, right? So that was the first time that all 20 drivers were together in 2022. And then they realized exactly what you said, Samuel, that uh, they gave such a good send-off to uh, Sebastian Vettel that they realized, oh my God, there's, you know, we need to say see you later to Daniel, Nicholas and Mick. So they met the next time, the, the, the next evening. But maybe they should make a ritual out of this because it was such, like Sundaram said, you know, wholesome content, very soulful. I mean, Yuki Sonoda was like, I loved the dinner. I don't know who paid for it, you know, as candid as he's always been. There were rumors about the, the bills that got leaked on socials and Lewis initiated it and Lewis took the tab for it or whatever. But the fact is, it was so lovely to see all of them 
do that and maybe they should just make a ritual out of it and uh, the next time they do that we should sneak in and put a mic in there somewhere just to hear what is it that these guys talk about when they get together i mean do they talk about what we think they talk about which is something we can actually do as an episode in the off season what do 20 drivers talk about over dinner when they meet maybe that's an idea for the off season but coming to your question designated donut areas i think it is the first time that formula 1 or the FIA has made those right i believe that they've been made just because they want to be very particular about where donuts are done and not anywhere and everywhere but i don't know if these were circulated to all the drivers because mick schumacher and daniel ricardo were actually doing donuts in another area right so i don't know if they will get a reprimand for that or what or not but donuts were welcome i would say Mick being told off to do donuts was a bit surprising but what does tend to happen is the teams are still going to drive in the post season test starting tomorrow so they need to look after the car they need to look after the gearbox and they need to look after the engine when you do donuts the cars are not or or the the, the equipment is not designed to do donuts you're stuck in one gear you're revving the engine uh and and so on right so it's not the most natural way to drive a formula 1 car without damaging it so that could be one of the reasons why they told mick to not do donuts but it right now just seems that you know mick could Mick could do Mick could just go say hi and they'll say they'll tell Mick no Mick you're not supposed to say hi here you're supposed to say hi hi or whatever you know so it it's just uh, one of those uh, things uh, in in the Haas uh, Steiner and the and the Schumacher uh, partnership but yeah so designated donuts i i quite like the donuts i like that they had a parking spot for Vettel will he be missed i think yes he will be missed uh but will he be back you know lewis thinks for certain he's going to come back and i get a feeling if a competitive drive comes his way he's probably going to be back that's the feeling i got i mean the last five races he's been on fire literally i just saying this to make sure that we don't feel as bad kunal really because at this moment it, it uh, we just need something to make sure that our grief is somewhat lightened down and knowing the fact that oh he could come back someday just makes it feel lighter but ah i don't know i don't know if that's really going to happen but seriously a word on the fi and the designated donut areas it's like pre-planning someone doing a sick move in a party and telling them that this is exactly where you have to do it it just takes away the whole fun of a party what's the point i mean it's not like your pets uh, unfortunately uh, just littering around over the entire living room right these are donuts they don't show sure, you can scrape them off it, wait i just made it some more like uh pet waste rather than donuts in the track but the point is you can just let it happen for the moment to to feel special this just feel more coordinated and felt more mechanical sundram i don't know just didn't carry that same weightage as any of the previous donut moments before maybe just that we've gotten used to drivers doing donuts now that we need a new celebration maybe a three point turn or something to celebrate the retirement that's a very good point but i think yeah, like like you mentioned it it feels best and it feels nice when it's natural and you really don't have to allot someone a designated area but that one thing that you did mention is coordinated and i want to talk about coordinated donuts and to top it off a moonwalk as well that's something that i was very very impressed to see and i'm sure maybe there was some sort of an agreement between mick schumacher and nicholas latifi saying that hey even we are not going to be on the grid next year so the moment i tap you or the moment i nudge you on track spin and he did that and there was a very <laughs> nice little moonwalk towards the end of it and 
If you've probably not caught it, uh, I, I would recommend that you probably find that video again, put it to half speed and really enjoy how that spin really happens. How amazing is it, Kunal, that the last memory that we have of, of Nicholas Latifi in Formula 1 is a crash? <laughs> well, you know, I must say I've been, whoever has been training him about handling media has been doing a really good job because he's been, been, he's been very honest. He's been saying, you know, this is a performance sport and I have not performed. I had three years with Williams, but I had the, my first year in the, in, in the third year. Uh, and, you know, he's been honest in saying, Alex Albon can drive a much more unpredictable can drive better a much more unpredictable car than I did and George Russell definitely more talented uh, than I have ever been and and so on so it's you know it's refreshing uh, unlike some of the other pay drivers whose fathers actually own teams turn around and just blame the car blame the team blame the teammate whoever uh, and and move on so it's been refreshing to to see what Nicholas Latifi uh He's been saying, and you know, he of course qualified twentieth and dead last for I think the eighth time this season. So, in a way, I'm just sort of glad that he's he's sort of you know bowing out of Formula One. Just shows not everybody who steps up is ready, is able to take the the challenge or take the step up into Formula One and keep performing. And Logan Sargent, I mean, you know, he needed to have a clean weekend in Abu Dhabi to get his super license points. He did. It's a bit of a strange thing that the winner of the 2022 Formula 2 Championship, Felipe Drogovic, who, by the way, has been driving that MP Motorsport car fantastically well. Because if you compare him to Clement Novolak, his his teammate, his teammate is not even, I think he's 14th in the Drivers' Championship, right? But... Uh, Drogovic has no clue when he's going to drive in Formula 1. And he's Brazilian, a very key Formula 1 market. But Logan Sargent, who, you know, I think he was fourth in the Drivers' Championship in the end, if I recollect, um, you know, has a confirmed seat because, hey, it's American and we need to get an American driver in the team. So, yeah, I'm not saying that it's a bad thing. I'm just stating a fact and that's just how the business of motorsport and formula one has been running all these years you know one very interesting fact is that in the last 30 years we've had only just once full season where an american driver has has raced i think that was 2006 but in the last 30 to 32 years we've really not had one full season with an american driver and i think 2023 is finally going to be that time when it happens yeah i mean it's Sure, it's great for Formula 1 that we get to see an American driver, but someone who's finishing fourth in Formula 2, really, is that how it works? And that's also not been one of the best years in terms of Formula 2 talents, because in 2018, we saw Albin, we saw Russell, and we saw Lando Norris all graduate from the same class. And that's when even the third best driver in, let's say, Alexander Albin, you can see some sure quality in it. But I don't know, with Logan Sargent, it's interesting what's happening. Uh, all I can say is that is he really going to be an upgrade on Nicholas Satifi is going to be a major question. From what we've seen so far, it's hard to really tell. Of course, he won't crash as much, but yeah, it's, it's absurd how things are going on. But on a lighter note, isn't Logan Sargent the most American name in the world, Kunal? Like, if you hear Logan Sargent, you can't be doubtful that this guy is not from the US. Like, it's proper American moment, isn't it? It's actually, it is the most American moment. I actually love the the last name, I must say. And uh, for all those listening to us from uh, the southern part of India, you know, Sar, which is going to be S-A-R, his initials, is a very, 
very uh, local way of saying sir you know it's just how it sounds so it, they they do mean sir but it just sounds like sar which is what his initials will be i'm excited to see what's the car number he's going to have but i i am eager i mean you know to see how well he does how he steps up whether it's a latifi or a or a russell or whatever he's going to do i am eager to see how he steps up and i quite like the fact that there are other teams coming to williams's assistance here i mean alpine has turned around and said um you know we'd love to uh, uh give him a ride in our tpc car which is a 2021 car of course alpine is going to charge williams some money for it but he's you know so logan sargent is just going to get some more mile, miles under his belt and uh, you know we got one new driver next season actually not just one no two because nick de vries he got literally shipped off and delivered to alfa tauri i think we need to do this sort of ritual every single time right whenever a driver changes a team after they've done celebrating ship them off in one of those little transporter uh, things I, i don't know what the exact term for them is strap them up and lay them down in the garage of the next team i think that's under needs to be a ritual that we need to see every single time but if that were to happen where would you lay off daniel ricardo or nicolas satifi or mick schumacher in that case i absolutely don't know but <laughs> what happened yesterday was a very nice thing that we saw something that we've never seen before very innovative i would say that that mercedes ended up doing and it was very it is quite quick also after the race had ended and they also dropped him in the marina i suppose so um, there's a very interesting thing that i saw on social media that whenever someone changes teams from mercedes they always have to take a dip in in the marina uh, but yeah pretty interesting scenes yesterday yeah exactly and now for a second i want to talk about sergio perez because we're so far into this episode that we haven't talked about the p2 battle now uh anticlimactic i think is the word that we're going to use for it isn't it kunal because the way it started off it seemed like there was a genuine chance that perez could make it to red bull 1 2 for the first time ever but then degradation came in the way just how disappointing was that be in the broader scheme of things because red bull all you don't have appeared in this car i disagree i disagree that it was degradation that came in the way i would say that it was max verstappen who did not come in the way of charles leclerc um you know uh when oh, he no. could have actually i meant teammate relation degradation not tires oh yeah yeah okay <laughs> then that's but uh, i think you know perez knows he doesn't really have a chance elsewhere just yet just yet okay so he's got to stick with whatever red bull stick him with i would say right but um, the key question is um max verstappen said post race it wouldn't have been fair racing to uh you know it wouldn't have been fair racing to block leclerc on track and slow him down right the the most interesting thing here is he forgets that last year he called checo a legend for doing exactly that for slowing lewis hamilton down i mean lewis hamilton called it dangerous racing but you could see how much checo was driving slowly in the third sector of of the yas marina circuit just so that max could catch up and then that took away some strategy options from lewis hamilton under the safety car and so on could they have done that should they have done that it's it's the question but the truth is this was the best effort basis from red bull from max from from checo and i'm just glad that they didn't do something more farcical like okay max need to give up the win for checo perez because max with 15 wins in the season is far more uh is far more a statue remember than hey red bull got their first one two in their championship i mean they're still a champion team despite not having a one two before so why are we suddenly wanting a one two 
this time, right? But talking of Max's 15 wins, he scored 15 wins in one season, whereas Jensen Button scored 15 wins over his entire Formula 1 career. Just to keep that in perspective. Oh, you didn't have to kill off my championship heroes or my childhood heroes' career like that one. Yikes. But remarkable how disappointing the season has been in terms of a competition perspective and how it actually played out. But that's on the championship front. Down below Sundaram, there was this amazing little battle that we all really forgot that eventually played out between Aston Martin and Alfa Romeo. And at the very end, they're now tied for P6 with 55 points. But Alfa Romeo, I think for the first time in forever, have finished above some someplace like P8 because they finally gotten P6 in the championship. In terms of trajectory, it's hard to see them climbing back up because the team that they're fighting against, Aston Martin, have just had a remarkable resurgence in points. But regardless, from where they were last year to get to here, it's just fr- frankly fantastic. Even Haas getting to P8, it's like the stories of last year, all the disappointments have been reversed for all teams barring Williams, that is. Yeah, good point. Because we would always see a team like a Toro Rosso or an, or an Alpha Tauri being there in P6 or P7. And they've actually dropped down to P9 this year, which is very, very astonishing. And, and a team like Haas finishing P8 and then Alfa Romeo and As- Aston Martin. I mean, in fact, Aston Martin were in ninth after the summer break. And over the last, I would say, 10 races or so, they've accumulated close to 35 points. Whereas Alfa Romeo have accumulated taken just four points in the last 10-12 races. So, an incredible resurgence to take, uh, to be equal on, on sixth with, with Alfa Romeo, which makes things very interesting for next year as well. Yeah, it's going to be fun. But now with Fernando Alonso coming in there, I think the whole mixture is going to be even crazier. We've been constantly talking about it on the podcast, right? For how long can Fernando Alonso keep up the charade of being a nice guy and being a good teammate? At Alpine, we saw that happen for, what, one year and 1.9 years, you could put it that way. It only started to go off with his best friend in the last couple of races. But now, Kunal, he has to suck up to the owner's son. Not suck up to him, but at least not pull up a conflict with him. That, I think, is going to be the biggest story to watch for the course of the next couple of years. Apart from, of course, Alonso looking to kind of fight with the entire world, which is just persistent at this point. I think I would reverse the question. Will the strolls... Uh, risk upsetting Fernando Alonso. I mean, that guy is in so much of a fire, right, that you don't want to take him head on. And I think Lance Stroll, of all the people, Fettel is a very easygoing, very likable, very friendly character, you know, fighting over one point or not. But uh, I don't think, uh, you know, I don't think Alonso will be such a little walkover. And it's unfortunate that, you know, Alpine, of course, got P4, but Fernando Alonso had his sixth retirement of the year, sixth DNF or something. And he's, of course, he pointed out in Australia and some of the other races, he had issues even going into qualifying. And then he asked a very important question. How is it that it was just my car facing all the challenges? And despite all these challenges, he was 10 or 12 points, maybe less than 10 points away from Esteban Ocon in, in the championship. So, a fantastic season overall for Alonso. And, you know, if he keeps continuing with these results, who's to say that he's going to stop anytime soon? I mean, I would love to just see him drive and drive and drive because it's a delight to watch him 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 drive, I would say. And, you know, another another delight, and I'm going to move on now from Alonso in Abu Dhabi, was Ferrari's uh, pit stop strategy for Charles Leclerc. They knew that they had to beat Perez 
on strategy. They knew they had to make the one stop work. They knew they had to get Perez to make a second stop and all of that. They called a dummy. They made Perez pay it and they sort of made it work for Charles Leclerc, which is fantastic. The The funny part is they have gone on and on in every media interview how they nailed the strategy to perfection, how they called a dummy and they fooled Red Bull and 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 Perez, right? And the truth is, yes, they wanted to do, they wanted to use uh, the races towards the latter half of 22 and sharpening their strategy and operational skills and so on. They've finally done that, but it's taken them some time. Other teams do this time and time again, just that they don't really end up talking too much about it, if I may put it that way. But you know, credit where it's due. I think it's if that's what drives Ferrari up, uh, you know, public motivation and the media saying good things and telling people like Red Bull and Hannah Schmitz and the team saying, haha, hey, you know, for once I fooled you. If that's what drives them, uh, why not? You know, something that really caught my eye in, in the press conferences and even the interviews after the race is Charles Leclerc and Mattia Binotto time and time mentioning that they finally got their time management right this time and they had the pace, which is something that I don't really remember when was the last time they mentioned because after the new technical directive came in uh, at, in Belgium, they've always had some trouble when it came to tyre degradation. And yesterday, yesterday, they finally say, oh, the time management's been great. So that's something that was lesser heard in the last several races. Yeah, you're so right about that. I was actually very intrigued to see that happening all the way through. And for once, Ferrari actually being on the upper hand, but this just another this just again raises another question about the tire not the tire I'm sorry but the car philosophies and designs right because now that Ferrari have some glimmer of hope in the last race will they sort of continue with the same concept at this point of course most people have decided what they're going to do but I think this question is better yet asked for Mercedes who now have at least one win in their bag shameful Lewis Hamilton that is undertaken like streak has been broken down but sure enough they have won a race they are seeing some sort of progress with the car. We saw that one big spike in Brazil and it's back down once again in Abu Dhabi. So this is big confusion, right, Kunal? At least or so it may seem for us. Just where does Mercedes go for 2023? What sort of concept do they apply? And what happens next? Because this for them is the most uncharacteristic here. But in terms of human personality, sort of, we can, we can see that they've pushed way beyond anything else. They've had amazing results. And from where they were, surely they've come ahead. But just what happened in Abu Dhabi that really curtailed them so far? I think I'm going to summarize what Lewis Hamilton said. He said that um, they started the year with a car they didn't want and they ended the year with a car they didn't want. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, no win uh, this season, no pole position for the first time in his career as well. They had purposing back uh, bothering them in Abu Dhabi as well. Uh, So it was just general, you know, general... I would say yeah, it was a general Mercedes performance that you didn't see in in the Americas. Maybe they just perform well in the American time zone. I mean, you know that's that's what the Austin uh, upgrade did to them. So it was it was just down to that. And F1 stats guru put up a very interesting stat stat on our chat board right now, saying in the 2022 Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, Lewis Hamilton, Fernando Alonso, and Sebastian Vettel retired. Of course, you got to understand the meaning of that message, but uh, that was uh, that was a very interesting interesting stat. But yes, coming to Mercedes, Toto Wolff, you know, we're going to bounce back. Uh, we're going to fight at the front. He's trying to say that to, of course, warn uh, Red Bull. Lewis Hamilton said at the start of the year, "You've not seen uh, the best part of me yet." So that's what we were hoping to see in twenty 
22 as well. But again, like I said at the start of the show, so many narratives. How are we going to keep following it? We'd love to do that, right? Because suddenly, you know, in, in February, when you see people, you will you will see a different side to them. And you're like, hey, what happened to you? You know, when we saw you on the 20th of November, this was a little different or that was a little different. But that's just how it goes in Formula One. And I love the question that you asked about it, Kunal. How are we going to follow it all along? What are we going to do in the meantime? And luckily for that, we've got tons of interesting content coming up on the Inside Line F1 podcast, starting off with our end-of-season awards. So we're going to have a big review that we record in person, which means that we'll be able to do more banter in there as well. And we kind of rate out the most, let's say, non-obvious award categories for the entire year. That sort of banter parody awards happens in a week's time. So that'll be incredible fun as well. But then over the winter, we're going to have special episodes and special interviews also coming about. So stay tuned on the Inside Line F1 podcast for that. The season might be over, but the fun is not over yet. So subscribe to us on all of our platforms or whichever platform that you listen to the Inside Line F1 podcast on. And to interact with us over the winter on social media, you can check out the links in our description. But now, folks, it's time to head back in our cave for one day and cry about Sebastian Vettel's retirement and then simp over the new winter test once again. Bye, folks. Have a good time. Enjoy the weekend. Bye-bye.